Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. G'day and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. G'day, g'day, g'day. Welcome to the program coming out of our studios here in Northwest Sydney. Welcome, Hunty. Yeah, g'day, mate. So good to be here. Thank you for joining us, listeners. What a fabulous set of Bible texts to start off with. Absolutely. I'm liking this new approach. I do. Yeah, where we start with the but. We start with the Bible text, I've, but it is causing us enormous... I've got a love-hate with it, I do. Yeah, enormous technical problems because they don't come out easy. Is that right? Well, no, my love-hate with it is I love it because it's 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 um, delays our start yep. by 30 seconds, which often our listeners miss anyway. Okay. And so I'm happy that that's not what's happening, and, and I'm sad because we don't get to hear our opener if they misses. We did hear the opener. Yeah, but sometimes we before they would cut in halfway through our opener. Oh, now they do hit, get to hear yeah, our opener. Yeah, if we lose anything now, we lose the text. Oh, okay. Is there a problem with that, is there? Uh, we can't be exactly certain when we're going to land on our program. Well, let's hope you're here, all our <laughs> listeners are on board with us. Um, let's have a look at this day in history, okay. February 20. It's the 51st day of the year, wow, mercy. Already. That's incredible. There's only 365 days in a year, and we're 51 days into it. Incredible. 1792, what happened on this day? Yes, please. The U.S. Postal Service Act. For some reason in America, the U.S. Postal Service is a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. Not, not so much here in Australia, but the U.S. Postal Service seems to rank very high in the estimations of Americans, and it started on this day in 1792, which is a long, long time ago. 1872, this guy's a hero. The elevator, the lift first made by American Cyrus Baldwin was patented. Aren't you glad for, glad for lifts? Absolutely. Imagine trying to walk up 25 floors. Yeah, no thanks. Have you ever had to do that? Yeah, I've got some friends in New York that still live in walk-ups. How, how many floors? Oh, five, ten. Oh Moving houses, misery. Actually, that wouldn't be a bad thing for you and me. That's true. <laughs> 1877, <laughs> never heard of this, but I've heard of it. Tchaikovsky's Ballet Swan Lake has premiered. Never seen it, never listened to it. I bet you have, Hunty. I have. Yeah, well, very famous ballet. Well, it, it, it started, premiered in 1877. Cool. 90, 90, uh, 18, sorry, 1798, uh, French General Berthier takes the Pope prisoner in Rome. We're going to look at that story a bit later on. It's a good one too. Uh, 1913, in the construction of what major city in Australia began in 1913? Canberra. How did you know that? Because everyone else has already started and they came late. That is a brilliant answer. Did it's you total, did you know that or guess. did you just guess? Total guess. <laughs> yeah, it began in 1913. But I said it boldly, so there you go. You did. <laughs> oh, you're good at doing that. 1929, American Samoa becomes a part of the USA. Have you been to American Samoa? I have. I have. Hmm. 
it's an interesting place because it's not a state, and American Samoans are not American citizens. Oh. Kind of don't know how it works. I think it's a little bit like Puerto Rico and Guam and some of those other territories. They're American nationals, but not American citizens. Work that out. I, I, mm. I actually looked it up and couldn't work it out. And in 1962, on this day, February 20, 51st day of the year, 1962, John Glenn became the first American to do what? That oh, wasn't, walk on the moon? No, I was going to say it wasn't walk on the moon. Oh. To orbit the earth. Okay. Three times. I don't think he was the first man to do that. I think that was Yuri Gagarin. I'm guessing. I'm thinking from memory, from history. Yuri Gagarin, a Russian. Birthdays, uh, 1949, Ivana Trump. That's Donald Trump's hmm. first wife. She died in 2022. Hmm. She's born on this day. 1967, you know this guy, Courtney, uh, Courtney, <laughs> Kurt Cobain, who mm. was married to Courtney Love. He committed suicide. Mm. Very famous singer. Big rock singer. Mm. Very sad life. And in 1988, it's Rihanna's birthday. Health tips. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. What I, you I like this. This is this is our brand new segment, <laughs> health tips. I'm bringing <laughs> tips. it in because I need to learn health tips every week. Yeah, me too. You're on a good health journey, though, aren't you, Hunter? The moment I am, finally. Well, I started last year the same way. It went great for six or nine months. Mm. The man did it all in two months, and now I'm starting again. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Here's eight very quick health tips this week. Base meals on high-fiber starchy carbohydrates. So I think that means complex carbohydrates, oh. uh, which are really, really good for you. Um, complex carbohydrates are bread, whole meals, that sort of thing. That's tip one. Tip two, eat lots of fruit and veggie. Do you do that? Not enough, but I do plenty. Eat three, eat more oily fish. Don't touch fish. No, me either. Point four, cut down on saturated fat and sugar. I've done that. I need to do more of that. I've done that big time. Point five, eat less salt. I've done that. In fact, I don't use any added salt generally to my food anymore. It's amazing. At first it's hard, but then it gets quite easy. Can you do tomatoes without salt? Yeah, I do. Tomatoes wow. in themselves are actually quite salty. There's natural salt in tomatoes. You don't need salt with tomatoes. Do you have any trouble with cramps? No. Yeah. Hmm. Point six, be a healthy weight. Well, that working on that. Point seven, drink water. Yep. And point eight, I got one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking water. That's all I drink. No, I think you base your meals uh, on high fiber, starchy carbohydrates. I don't see. I think you eat lots of fruit and veggies. I do. I don't know about the Today saturated... Today I had an egg sandwich for lunch. I don't know about the saturated fat and sugar. And I don't know about the salt. I do know about the healthy weight. Like me, you've got a long, long way to go. Long way. You do drink water. I know of no one who drinks more water than you. And this last point, do not skip breakfast. What do you think about that? Huh, I enjoy breakfast, so it's easy for me to do. So you don't skip breakfast? I used to. I, I, went, I went the first 25 years of my life without having breakfast. I think of all the meals every day, the easy one for me to skip is breakfast and the one I should skip is dinner or tea. Right. We call it tea in Queensland, dinner down dinner. here. Yes. I call it tea. Um, yeah. Very challenging when I look at these health tips every week. Yes. One of the problems I've got is I've just had a sebaceous cyst cut out of my back. And I've also just had total knee replacement, second one. They call it revision. Yeah, that's... So that's that a warranty job on the knee they did last year. Yeah, well, in 2017, actually. Oh, is that far away? Yep. 
Wow. That one's healed, and it's okay, but the sebaceous cyst, of course, it's not a very serious operation at all, just done by my local doctor who did a great job, but he's, he's stitched it up now, got to make sure I don't get a, a infection in it because I've got to protect the knee because they don't like infections. So I can't do any exercise because sweat can cause infections, so I'm just being very careful at the moment yeah, that's for good. the next that's wise. eight or nine days. And I'll change that dressing after the program. Yeah, mm. I've got a dressing Hunty's going to change. Mm. So if I get an infection, Rock everyone will know whose fault yeah. it is. <laughs> if he's not here next week, it's my yeah. fault. Word of the day. Uh-oh. I reckon you've got a fair chance of getting this one. Signet. S-I-G-N-E-T. Signet. Well, is it a bird or is it a signature? It's not a bird. Okay. Someone who's authorised not really, to sign? It's not really a signature either. Someone who's authorised to the word, sign? But the words, the words signet might be the base word, I think, for signature. So it's kind of related, but it's not a signature. It's a small seal. Oh, nice. So guess what a signet ring is? The ring that stamps the wax for the signet. Yeah. And mostly men would have signet rings and they'd pass them down through the generation. So they become very valuable, I guess, not so much in what they were made out of, but what they represented. So the king signet ring was very important. <laughs> so it's a small seal. I send this package. Here's a sentence. I send this passage... Pa- Packaged to you, yep. sealed by a signet. Nice. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything to use that word for to stir you up. <laughs> Tough times. Want to say a prayer? <laughs> yes, certainly. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, I want to pray for all of our listeners, Lord, that you bless them abundantly. And also I pray for my mate, Lord, as he happens the Bible this afternoon and shares from your word. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Like that, I added a sting. Yeah, I was about to say, you've, you've confused me. I enjoyed it too, by the way. Uh, did you realise that the sting wasn't supposed to be no, there? I looked, or I had looked you... up on my run sheet and went, no, nah, I'm going to put one there. Feels like a good place to, to confuse the, the relevant. I like these little testimonies that we share every week. Um, this one, it's a guy called Michael Franzesi. You like that name, Franzesi? Does that sound like a New York name to you? Franzesi, F-R-A-N-Z-E-S-E. Franzesi. Is that how you say that? I have no clue. I'm sure listeners will know. (laughs) He was a, uh, he's pretty famous in the United States. He was a New York gangster from the mafia. And through, well, I'll let him tell the story, but he went to Christ and the story is amazing. You, you kind of became a, a foot soldier initially, as it were. Um, you, you, you're actually sworn in to this particular way of life, aren't you? Uh, but eventually you, you came to a, a pretty senior position of your own. You know, I worked my way up. I was appointed a cop regime or captain back in 1980, and I operated in that capacity for the next 15 years. Some of the things I did um, that I was uncomfortable with, you almost have to step outside of yourself mm. and, and do it. And that's what I did. Um, I was defrauding the government out of uh, tax on every gallon of gasoline. That was my major uh, s- uh, scam, I would say, at mm. that point that uh, netted me hundreds of millions of dollars. The mob life, the gang life, they're evil lifestyles. And the reason I say that is because I don't know any family of any member of that life that hasn't been totally destroyed. You know, Fortune magazine, to give you an idea, uh, wrote a, uh, a big article Uh, back in 86, 50 biggest and most powerful mob bosses in America. And I was one of the six that were featured out of the 50. 47 of them are dead. Wow. And two of them are doing life in prison. Do you want to tell us about 
about your wife and, and the impact she had on your life. I was producing a film in South Florida, and I was at the top of my mob game when I met her. And this woman just totally turned my, my head and my heart around. She uh, was from Southern California. Uh, there's no mob out there of any consequence. She didn't know anything about that life. She saw The Godfather once, and to yeah. her it was just a movie. It was yeah. a myth. Yeah. And I didn't sit down with her and tell her, hey, guess who I am? And yeah, you know, yeah. uh, as far as she was concerned, I was a movie producer. When I realized I wanted her in my life, and that my life was really a direct contradiction to what her and her mom believed, I respected their faith because it was true to them. Yeah. And I knew that I had to make some changes if I wanted this girl in my life. So I figured I would you know, marry Camille, Mm -hmm. It's her name, move out to the West Coast, do a couple of years in prison. When I get out, I had an excuse not to meet anybody in New York, because when you're on parole, you can't associate with anybody. And I figured maybe after 10 or 12 years, the guys in New York will forget about me. I'd live happily ever after out in California. So that was my plan. Uh, unfortunately, uh, someone above had a different plan for that. It didn't work out that way. You'd got married, mm -hmm. but then you went to prison. Yes. Um, you were hoping for maybe a few years and then I guess parole and you'd, you'd be out again. But what actually happened? I did get out on parole after five years and uh, then I was on parole for 13 months uh, out in LA. It was a horrible time of our lives. I mean, I couldn't get my life together. Uh, you know, we had people looking to hurt us. Life magazine wrote a huge story about me and they interviewed me and, you know, very, I did what I always do. I say, there is no mob and I don't know what you're talking about. I married a girl, I moved out to the West Coast, but uh, the way they wrote the article, it was like I was becoming a major informant. Right. I was gonna, it just, and it, it was titled Quitting the Mafia. 13 months later, I ended up violating my parole and they threw me back in, and they said they were gonna indict me on another case, and they gave me four years on the violation, which was the maximum. Mm. And I spent almost three years out of that in the hole. You know, I learned during that experience that we weren't meant to be solo creatures. We were meant to be social. It was very difficult to, to get through that, and um, if I wasn't, if I didn't develop my faith during that period of time, I don't think I would've came out of that well. It was during that time when, when I was desperate, really, because I thought I'd spend the rest of my life in there, that I, I turned to the Lord and looked for that relationship. I was challenging God at that point. Uh, I wanted to know if it was real. Mm. And so in reading the Bible, I, I started to read it as if I was preparing for my trial. I came out of there believing with all my heart that the Bible was God's Word and that Jesus was my risen Savior based upon what I saw to be the evidence that was very solid. Yeah. And I studied while I was in there. I had nothing but time on my hands, 24-7. What else was I gonna do? But it was a time that God really used to, uh, to, to grow my knowledge and to really change my heart. And what kind of reaction do you tend to get when you're traveling the US or other places and, and talking about your story, especially to people who maybe, you know, have some association or have a criminal past or whatever? I tell people, you can change maybe, but change is temporary. Transformation through Christ is permanent. Even though you may fall back to sin, it's a different thing. You know, you're transformed in a way because Christ is working within you. You have a relationship with him. And I needed those three years for God to work on me because uh, it wouldn't have worked otherwise. You know, one of the things I tell young people, because I, I spend a lot of my time with them, they'll watch a movie like The Godfather and Goodfellas, and they'll see all of the glamour. Yeah. They'll see the riches and the wealth and all. And I always tell them, but did you see the end of the movie? who went to jail, who got killed, whose family, they don't see that part. And you know, one of the attractive things for pastors that bring me in is that uh, they say, listen, 
you know, invite your family member, your friend, your neighbor who would never come in to hear a gospel message, but they want to hear about a mob story. Yeah. If God can not only forgive me, mm. but turn my entire life around, um, then he can do that for anyone. Because at one point in time, I was probably the worst of, of the worst, yeah. you know, like Paul in a way. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and again, I don't compare myself to Paul as far as his mission. His the mission was amazing, but we were both bad guys that God reached into and turned around.
love. Oh. That's what. That's what brought that mob story out, hunty. Mm. To Jesus. So good. The power of his life. Hey, let's look at the news. Okay. Got some interesting ones today. New and used car prices are soaring. Can I give you some facts here? Yeah. Car prices in Australia rose throughout 2023 with an average increase of almost 20%. Whew. Mm. The increase is varied depending on the model, but the biggest increases of about 25% have been in the small car sector. Right. They reckon, too, that there, although supply issues for new cars are diminishing, that it's still bad. And so prices are still high. And this article says that these prices are bringing increased pressure on Australian families, mm. people as they try to exist. You're saying you don't think that's the case? Well, I think that article goes on to say that used car prices are going up. No, it says new and used. I'm just reading mm. it. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, I actually wonder about whether or not the used cars are actually going up. I certainly can tell you that a new Dodge Ram is a hundred and twenty thousand poverty pack. I, I think used car prices have definitely gone up, mate. Okay. Um, I, I, I don't buy new cars anymore. I only use. I only buy used cars. I've never bought a new car. You've had lots of new cars. Yeah, they're all company cars. I don't know anyone who's had more new cars. I've had a lot of cars, but, <laughs> but they've been company cars. I, personally, I've never bought a new car. Okay, I have. I've bought a few, um, but mostly... You second. mean on your corporate lease? No. No? Okay, Straight personally. Out. Yeah, yeah. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, well, I think that the, 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 the bottom line is there that it is still expensive. I oh, know you've you've got the time yeah, to go, mate. Time <laughs> it's still expe- I'm giving him a wind on here. That's here. It. <laughs> it's still expensive to get a car, whether it's a used car or a new car. Well, I think even a poverty pack Hilux or a or a Ranger is now sixty or seventy thousand. Yeah. How do people do that? I think they do what you just said. They go on innovated leases and things oh, like that, and crazy pay them off. Yeah, uh, it's tempting sometimes when you've got. I got a job. I got a workplace where I could go and get a new car next week. On an ovated lease. But the problem is you've got to pay for it. That's right. So it's pretty cool. I'm very happy driving my 10-year-old Jeep and not paying anything for it. Is it 10 years old, is it? It's a 2014 with a My 15 plate on it. Yeah, and you you, you look after that Jeep too. Yes. Um, what about this one? Young people still think it's cool to tan. I can't believe it. Why? Well, you, you know why you can't believe it? Because you and me came through the slip-slop slap era. Yeah. Where there was a lot of advertising about it, but it's not so much out there anymore, is it? I remember my first wife used to get out in the backyard in summer and coat herself in coconut oil to add to the browning process. She's a white-skinned girl too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how she's doing now. Well, I'll tell you what. It, it's I, I, for a long, long time, have stayed out of the sun. Yeah. Or tried to stay well, out. I'm a, I'm a white boy, ridiculously white with rubbish skin, and I've been hiding from the sun my whole life. It's true that... If Hunty's in the sun for more than... Five minutes. Well, two minutes almost, isn't oh, it? I know. It feels like two minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm done. Um, this summer, don't be careful with the sun because it can damage you. It does cause skin cancer. And down here in Australia and New Zealand, there's no countries in the world that get more skin cancer than Australia That's anyway. That's true. That's true. Yeah? Mm. We've, we've got a savage sun. And then this last news article, Give Up Alcohol. Bit of a follow-on from, from last yeah, week. Last week, yeah. Did you know that alcohol, according to this article, chemically known as ethanol, is a psychoactive substance? And you know what that means? Nope. It, it's produced through fermentation of sugars by yeast and commonly found in beer, wine, and spirits. 
It is a toxin. So why should you pause it? Well, number one, it gets into the bloodstream, it reaches your brain, and it has these short-term effects. The, ser- the central nervous system is affected by alcohol. It acts as a depressant, so it'll depress you, hunty. Mm, very much so. It'll slow your brain function down, which is why you can't drive and drink. And it inhibits the neurotransmitter activity. That means it changes your mood, your behaviour, slows your thinking, affects your brain waves, interrupts the cleaning process of your brain, mate. Wow. <laughs> Actually, I've got a reason why you should stop drinking. Yeah. I just heard Albo the other day saying he's going to put the tax up on beer so that a beer is $15. Did you hear that? It's automatically put up every year. Oh. It impairs our decision-making, cognitive function, function. I mean, it does all these terrible things. It's packed with calories. Did you know that? And when you oh. drink alcohol, hunty, this is why it's good you and me don't. Oh. When you drink alcohol, your brain doesn't pick it up as calories and food. So you're drinking and you're eating. Oh. And so you're doubling the whack on your body. Thank goodness I don't drink. (laughs) Yeah, I tell you what. Can you imagine us? We wouldn't fit in the studio. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) It can affect your sleep patterns. It disrupts the natural sleep cycle by reducing the amount of rapid eye movement. Do you know all this stuff? That's important sleep, your REM sleep. What's the REM sleep do? Your rapid eye movement. That's when your body sorts all today's uh, activities and files them and puts them safe. It's associated with dreaming and cognitive restoration, exactly what you just said. Hmm. It contributes to fragmented and lighter sleep, leading to increased wakefulness during the night. This in turn affects our concentration, mood, alertness in the days following. Even, and this is what the writer says in this article, even moderate alcohol consumption close to bedtime can interfere with the body's ability to enter deep, more restorative sleep stages. And of course, we looked last week at how long-term alcohol, hunty, it gives you breast cancer, um, Oesophagus yeah. cancer, throat cancer, yeah. tongue cancer, liver. mouth cancer, stomach cancer, liver cancer. You're I mean, just about <laughs> every single cancer on the planet, yep. alcohol has some sort of function. It gives in. your wallet a cancer too. Yeah, it does. costs a lot of money. You see people going in and buying it. Ooh. Mm. Um, so when it comes to alcohol, best thing to do is to give it up. Yep. Now, people say, I'm not addicted. How do you know whether you're addicted or not, Hunty? We touched uh, on this you last stop week. Stop it. Too. Give yourself a week or two. If you can stay off it for a week or two, perhaps you're not addicted. But if you can't, then you better face the truth. Head, head to AA. You're addicted. Mm. We haven't even talked about the disruption alcohol causes with road accidents and the way it kills hundreds a year. Mm-mm. We haven't talked about the disruption that alcohol brings to marriages, to the abuse in marriages, sexual and physical and mental. Those three big abuses that alcohol makes more prevalent in marriages and relationships. I mean, the stuff is a curse, and yet in our culture, it's looked upon as something really cool. Mm. It's almost, mm. oh, I've turned 18, a rite of passage is to start drinking. Yep. And if you're a young person out there and you haven't started drinking, don't. I mean, Hunty, you haven't in your entire life, Not if I'm right, That's correct. touched a drop of alcohol. You've correct. never been drunk. You've never been led astray. Why, why did you make that decision? Um, well, I realised early in life that my personality is very addictive. Yeah. Um, there's no car I haven't taken off the speedo. There's no boat I haven't taken off the speedo. There's no thing that I do that I don't do to excess. So praise the Lord that I never started with alcohol. I hope there's no police listening to that. Oh, on a track, Safeway. Oh, okay. Orin Park back in the day. Hey, if you've got a problem... Go to Alcoholic Anonymous. Yeah. Now, you said uh, in the last program, Hunter, you took some mates in. It's fantastic. I've been twice. Once in the 80s, once in the 90s. Yeah, with mates. Yeah. yeah. They're fantastic. Here's the phone number. You ready? Yep. one three zero zero triple two triple two. Yeah, it's good. Good You can't number. get easier than that. 1300 Go and get help. Yep. And if you get help, 
you know what? You will win. Plus, also, you can just pray. God will give you help as well. He does. Hmm. But I find with this one, you need a bit of help with God and experienced people like alcohol. You know, and there, they beat it. Yep. There are others too, National Alcohol and Drug Hotline. They'll help you. Um, drug, I've, got, I've got a tip for you too. Yeah. You can buy these at Woolworths. They're called Coopers and they taste just, oh, I'm not, I've been reliably told they taste just like real beer. So you can wean yourself off if you need to. Hmm. Get help. That's yep. my advice. Yep. Fantastic. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. This is Matt Redman. Yep. I like Matt Redman. Yeah, me too. He's singing the heart of worship and he's singing it live with a big congregation Love audience. This song. Yeah, yep. good. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the It's all about you, Jesus King of endless worth No one could express How much you deserve Every single breath I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart Heart of Worship. Mm-hmm. I want to invite, welcome back actually, Harold Harker. You there, Harold? Hi there, Lloyd. Yes, we're back again. Still hot up there? 
still warm and still humid and still a bit of moisture coming down. Okay. How are you finding it up there? I mean, you're a Sydney boy or a Newcastle boy and you're up there way up in the north Queensland on the Atherton Tablelands. You coping okay? Coping well and the people are super friendly and that's great. Have you got the air conditioner turned on up there? Not at the moment. There's a couple of fans going. Okay. Because <laughs> you're used to heat. Didn't you do some time in the tropics when you were working full time? Uh, well, we worked for about four years in the tropics in Queensland and 10 years in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, I thought you were up there in Papua New Guinea. This is old hat for you then. It's easy stuff. Um, <laughs> this guy we're talking about today, I like him. It's a bit different. His name is Phil Bear. Phil Burr, Berthia, Berthelia. How, how do I say that? Berthelia. Philibert Berthelia. Philibert Berthelia. Where was he born and where? When was he born, sorry, and where? Now, this guy was born in Switzerland, in Viry le Grand, in the Duchy of Savoy. This is a Swiss story. Ah, the Swiss, they're my people. Did, did I ever tell that, Harold, that we go back to Switzerland? No, that's great. My great grandfather. Great- yeah, my great grandfather is Swiss. Comes from a little village um, over there somewhere. <laughs> I have been back to it. Um, yeah. Okay. So he's from Switzerland. Where did he study? He studied law at the University of Chambry. This is 1485. Now you've got to remember, this is about the time Luther was born. So it's well before Luther's time. He was a soldier. Am I right in saying that? Yes, he was. He became part of the military campaign with King Louis Twelfth of France. So he served in the army there. So was he serving as a Swiss soldier for the Swiss there or had he put himself into the French army? Well, the French, uh, Switzerland really was owned part by the Duke of Savoy, which was in Italy, yep. and also the King of France had some. So they, 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 were, they weren't exactly as we know Switzerland today then. Um, no, that's right. So he's he's studied law. He's a soldier. Do we know whether he was a religious man? Yes, he was. He came back to Geneva in 1505 and he was appointed the captain of the Company of Archers, but as well as that, a member of the Council of Fifty. In other words, he was a big shot in Geneva. And then he became the head of the Huguenots, these French Protestants who opposed uh, Savoy, which was Catholic, and he became the leader. And it's great to have a person. He's not a preacher, but he's a leader, and he's a Protestant of the Huguenots. So the Huguenots are what, just classic Protestants, basically, are they? Yeah, they're Protestants in they mainly in France, yep. and they believe in the Bible, they believed that they should worship God according to the Bible and they rejected the, the church of the Middle Ages. Okay. He, he was in, as you say, he was a soldier. What military campaign was he part of? Well, he was part of this uh, campaign with Louis Twelfth. Yep. But then, you know, he was really uh, the captain of this group of 50. Would he have been fighting in the front line? Oh, he's he would have been, a, a, a as a leader, he might have been in the front line, but he's there directing a lot of it. So yeah. he's right up the top. Was he? What was he appointed to in 1505? Well, in 1505, 
that's when he came back to Geneva. Okay. And he's given this big post in the in the Council of Geneva. Was G- Geneva back then mostly Huguenot, was it? A, a lot of Huguenots escaped when the pressure came in in France. A lot of them came across to Geneva for, for freedom. What did the Duke of Savoy do in 1513 that upset Berthelia a lot? Well, uh, the Duke of Savoy, who came from northern Italy, he nominated his cousin to be the bishop. Fancy the, the Duke nominating the bishop, and that's Catholic, and so here is a Catholic guy who wants to run Geneva, and Berthelia was really opposed to that. So there was a rebellion? Well, he called for a rebellion. Yep. And he started, let's have a fight and toss this guy. We're not going to have him. Yep. But uh, he does a compromise and uh, he talks with the bishop or sends messages and, okay, and they he's then appointed to the castle of Penny, which is just out of Geneva. This is the bishop or Berthelia? Now, this is... Berthelia is appointed commander of this castle just east of uh, Geneva a little bit. I've actually been there. Was that to get Berthelia out of Geneva, basically? Yes, well, it wasn't far out, and he would come in whenever he needed to. It wasn't far out. So uh, when you look at this, this toing and froing, was this rebellion, this resistance against the Duke of Savoy, was it successful or not really? No, it wasn't. Finally, open rebellion comes and he has to clear out and go to another town, Freiburg. But he goes back to Geneva eventually, is that right, 1518? Yeah, well, the bishop said, I'll give you a safe conduct pass. In other words, you'll be safe, you can come back to Geneva. And so he comes back. And what happens? Well, he has secret meetings now with the Huguenots and other Republicans, they don't want the Duke of Savoy or a king. They want to be a republic like Switzerland is today. And they tried to overthrow the Duke of Savoy. And, of course, that doesn't go down well. So what happens to Philbert Bethalia? Well, Bethalia has got to run again. And so he clears out, but he gets arrested. Keep going, Harold. Tell us the rest well, of it. Well, when he's arrested... Because he's opposed to the Duke of Savoy, who was the real leader of the place, he's then tried for treason. Mm. And this is, he was a Huguenot, and that would be enough to try him. Yeah. But because he was opposing and trying to get a republic and toss the Duke out, then he said in his trial, you're a treason guy, we're going to kill you. And he was executed. Do we know how he was executed? Yeah. Let me tell you, he was found guilty of treason and beheaded that same day and then they put a rope around his foot and drag him through the streets to show what Huguenots will get and he was really uh, one for um, uh, worship as you want to and also have a country that you want. He died a fairly young man? Ah, yeah, he would have been, oh... He would have been 45, 44. Mm. Well, it's young man relative to us. He was an old man in their times, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But he's seen as a martyr and as a patriot of Geneva. What do you remember him for? 
Well, I got to know him because as I went through Geneva, over the Rhone River, there are some bridges, and here's a statue of Philibert Berthelier as the champion for the freedom of, of Geneva, and freedom included freedom of religion. Is he seen as an early Swiss patriot? Yes, he sure is. One of the fathers uh, of the nation? Am I, am I going too far saying that? No, the nation recognised him, and here's his statue on this bridge over the River Rhone where it leaves the lake, Geneva. Yeah. Very stirring story, Harold. Enjoyed that today. Thank you for that. Well, it's good to see not only preachers, but here's a leader who stands up for what he thinks is right. A warrior. There's room for everyone in the cause of God. See you next week, Harold. All the best. God bless. Bye. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Often think of these guys and the sacrifices they made for yeah, Jesus. Huge. You know, this guy had his head taken off. He was in his 40s. He wasn't old. He was a warrior, so he's a brave man. But he went to death rather than give up Christ. And this song, you know, I think if I had to go through what they went through, I'd be thinking about what this song is talking about, going home to heaven, being with Jesus. Particularly beautiful song. It's a quiet song from a lady called Cecil. I said that right, Harden, to you? I hope Cicel. so. I, I, it, might I be, it might be Cecil. Yeah, Cicel. she's one of the most mm. famous uh, operatic singers in the world. Oh, wow. Mm. And if you listen to it and you listen to the words, they're quite haunting. It's to a beautiful melody. I hope you enjoy it.
Cecil Krajepko, I'm pretty sure I've just absolutely butchered her last name, <laughs> who sang that song. She's she's a Norwegian, one of the top crossover sopranos in the world, and she's a Norwegian, and she's singing there about heaven and the fact that when Jesus comes, we'll all be going home. And with, all the, with all the pain and all the suffering in this world, it's a good thing. Um. This next testimony, I'm into these testimonies at the moment. I love them, mate. It's a great, great segment in our program. They they bring me warmth and they bring me encouragement in my own life. Me too. Michael Devon Alston, um, he was abandoned by his mother when he was three years old. He spent three decades addicted to drugs, in crime, had an encounter in jail that brought him to Jesus. His story is a beauty, and if Jesus can save this man i tell you what, he can save anyone, even you and me. Well, for me, early childhood started at three months on the planet after birth being left in a bootlegger's house. And my mother left me there. Um, and a lady that she knows by the name of Blanche Adams found me. She was never married and she didn't have children of her own. So God kind of placed us together. She just made sure that I ate good. Sometimes we didn't have lights. Sometimes we didn't have water, but she always found a way. She encouraged me to um, get involved with the things of God and the things of church. I called her mom. She was the only mother I knew. At age six, she had a man stand there. He would play with me a little bit and, you know, throw the ball and promise me stuff, bicycles. So I didn't think nothing of it. I was innocent. I didn't know no better. But one day he, um, he put his mouth on parts of my body that he wasn't supposed to. So he told me that if I told him about it, he would kill me. And when I told Blanche about it, my mama, she didn't do anything. It was no protection. I didn't know if it was for the money. Did she think I was lying? 
So one night, um, I had to go through his room to get to the kitchen. So I went to the kitchen to get some water as quiet as I possibly could. And when I turned back around, he was standing in the doorway with his boxes on, telling him, give me a hug. Um, I want to hold you. And I fought past him as best I could, and I went and woke her up and told her that um, he was trying to hug me. She put him out, told him he had to leave. So my first sexual encounter was with a guy. And uh, I felt dirty, and I felt like it was my fault, or, you know, and I never had any problems with my sexuality, but I wondered why. And I walked around with that um, for decades, that's inside of me, holding it. I started to hang around with an older group because my peers uh, made fun of me too much. They were drinking and doing drugs, so I think I had beer when I was nine, and I was 10 when I first smoked marijuana. The same year I got saved was the same year I snorted cocaine for the first time at 12 years old. It gave me an outlet, and the pain and, and things that I was experiencing inside, it seemed like it numbed it some. I felt happy. It appeared that people were making money. Um, they had nice things. I knew I was poor. So I made it my business to try to be the person that everybody needed to know in order to get what they needed to get. My mama, she died around 16, 17. I was on my own. I dropped out of school. I got another job. But I was also trying to sell drugs, marijuana and cocaine when I would get my hands on it. Recreation and um, fun times rapidly became a habit. And once the curse of addiction got hold of me, it held me for 30 plus years. It just evolved extremely quick. And it went from snorting cocaine to smoking crack. I got incarcerated when I was 28 years old. That was the first time. It was terrifying for me because I'd never been put in a cage, told when to get up, told when to sleep. I went back to what I knew, and I got my Bible. And I started to read again, and I started to pray again. I didn't want to do drugs in jail and get high, even though it was prevalent and it was right there. Every time I got out, it didn't take long before I fell back into the same lifestyle. I would always say, I ain't going back no more. This is my last time. But every time I got back involved with the drugs, every single time that God blessed me with good jobs, career-orientated jobs, I've been divorced twice, um, vehicles, material things, I went right back and lost everything. I chose to be outside. I chose to sleep in abandoned buildings and in people's house that didn't have electricity or utilities. I chose to sleep in cars. I chose to just hang on the street and not go to sleep at all for two or three days. I was angry at God at times. Why this? Why, why my parents leave me? Why did she die when I was so young? Why don't I have a family? If you are loving God, why? Couldn't get it, didn't understand. When you find yourself doing things outside of the law that you wasn't raised to do, and the little bit of dignity and character that's left starts to say, mm-mm. And you look around and you see you haven't done nothing with your life. You've wasted decades. When God gives you a moment of clarity, it just makes you think, is this it? Is this how it's going to end? Was it too late for me to have a purpose and walk in something that was worthwhile? And God gave me a moment of clarity to say, you know what? There's something still in you, if you trust me. So I finally got to the point of total surrender, total trust. And I 
spoke to God is that if I'm speaking to you, and if you don't help me and heal me and deliver me, I'm gonna die. I called the Salvation Army a couple of days before. They told me to come in that day, did the intake. Said, God, I can't leave until you fix me. He let me know that this is it, that I'm gonna change you and you're gonna be all right. And it was like the most comforting words in my spirit that I had ever heard in my life. And he just started to minister to me. He let me know that I was his son. He let me know that um, what I went through was not to hurt me. He let me know that he hurt me. He loved me. The Salvation Army is a six-month program. Close to graduation, uh, the opportunity to be a Salvation Army soldier became available. I was a soldier for about a year. And then they elected me as the Corps Sergeant Major of the Southampton Roads Crock, which is similar to being like a deacon or assistant pastor. Um, every day I wake up, God is involved in my life and helping me be involved with something he's doing in some capacity. I got an opportunity um, a couple of years ago to be in Homeland, which was a series on Showtime. And I wound up being a Secret Service agent guarding the President of the United States. I would tell people that nobody can take you from the crack house to the White House but Jesus. <laughs> because how do you go from guarding Pookie Ray Ray and Nuck Nuck to guarding the President of the United States on a major television program? I spoke at old folks' homes. I've been to Atlanta with the Salvation Army. So I've marched in the Grand Illumination Parade as a representative of Christ through the Salvation Army. And um, I don't have any biological children, but I got about 20-something kids that I mentor, and I've been mentoring them for about two and a half years now. I can't believe it. God is, man, he has to, what he done to my life. I can't believe, I can't believe it. When people used to talk about that experience and what God done, nah, it can't be that real. It can't be that much, but it's real. It's, it's true. And at 56, I didn't know it would be like that. I had no idea. I didn't think he loved me that much. And nobody could have wrote my story and told me that what has happened to me over these last two years um, would have happened. I mean, the places I've been and the people I've been in the company of, it's, just, it's nothing short of amazing. And uh, he still lets me know the best is yet to come. It's a very powerful witness. That's awesome. And um, I think when we listen to the way God changes damaged and bruised and wounded lives like that, when we go through difficult times ourselves, it shows us that Jesus truly is the way out. Mm. This song, Without Him, again, uh, I'm going to tell you who it's from after. I know this yeah, guy. Okay. <laughs> I just haven't got it in my notes here. Oh, it's Gaither. No, it's not Gaither. Oh. Um, but I'll get back to you on that. Enjoy the song. And um, we're playing without him? Yeah, without him. Okay. Yeah, I'll let you know who it is in a second. Oh, no, it's definitely Gaither. No, it's not Gaither. Bet. Go, yeah, <laughs> go for it.
It uh, is Mylon Lafer. Singing with Bill and Gloria Gay. And I'll tell you a story. I'm just ignoring Hunty. But I'll allow you this because you're a good bloke. I'll tell you a story about this. He (laughs) wrote this song. The first time he sang it, Elvis Presley was in the audience. And Elvis liked it so much that he came up and he asked Mylon whether he could record it. Mylon allowed him to. Sad footnote to that, Mylon Lafer actually died not so long ago. Um, Mm. Yeah, which was pretty sad. Very talented he, man. He died on in 2023 in September. He was 78, almost 79. Kind of sad to see some of these great old music writers and famous mm, singers geez, pass away. But geez. that song without him, it's, it's, it's talking about Jesus and how life without him, it's just, it doesn't work. And uh, when I preach and I use that song, and I call people to follow Jesus. That song is very mm, powerful. Love it. Yeah. So, yes, Hunty, that's a Mylon Lefer song. <laughs> Today we're talking about how God can change you. Not a word from Hunty on that. I'm going to allow you to, to take that one because you're a good man. And even though it wasn't a Gaither concert with the Gaither Orchestra and band and Bill and Gloria Gaither in the crowd, I was still, because I was such a benevolent friend. <laughs> Listen to it. <laughs> Sung by Mylon Lafer, the Mylon Lafer song. And that's what I was after. Um, we love him love too. Um, talking about how God can change you yes. today. We've listened to a couple of really powerful testimonies about how God changes you. Now we're going to do a Bible study. But before we do the Bible study, yep. I want you just to listen to a couple of minutes of Billy Graham, who happens to be a Baptist preacher who I have always admired. My dad went and watched with his dad, Billy Graham, when he was in Sydney many, many years ago. They were both pastors. Well, my dad wasn't at the time. He was probably a boy. But they went to listen to Billy Graham. I often listen to Billy Graham sermons when I'm online just because I find them inspiring. Mm. They're biblical. This is a good, powerful man of God. And he's talking just for a few minutes here before we do the Bible study about how Jesus can change you. We're in a world of change. Millions of dollars are being spent every day on psychologists and psychiatrists by people who want to change their behavior or on cosmetic surgery by people who want to change their looks. They want to think differently, look differently, act differently, and be different. They want to change. God says there's going to come a time when I will overturn, I will overturn, I'll overturn it. God can overturn your life also right now if you would let him. He can change your life. He can make you different. Jesus said our problems come from within. Your problems are not without. It's not the environment of your home or the neighborhood you live in or any of those other things. The basic problem is in your heart. And it cannot be solved by these superficial remedies that we bring, like alcohol or drugs or something else. It's solved. By a revolution that God brings. I will overturn it, he says. I will change you if you will let me. God said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you today call upon the name of the Lord, you can be saved. You can be made over. God will overturn your life and change the direction in which you're going right now. God will cause a revolution. You pass from death to life, from destruction to eternal life. 
a fantastic change. The greatest change in your whole life is not when you get married, as great as that may be. It's when you give your life to Christ and let Christ change you. From that moment on, everything else becomes different. But there are two destinations, one toward heaven and one toward judgment and hell. And you're on one road or the other. If you're on the broad road that leads to destruction and judgment, I'm asking you to change roads and go the narrow road that leads to eternal light. And that means you must come by way of the cross. It means that you must repent of your sins. And you ask, well, what do you mean by repentance? I mean that you're willing to change. Change your style of living. Change your habits. Change from the sins, the things that are wrong in your life to doing the will of God. You must be willing to do that. You may not have the ability to do it, but when you come to Christ, he'll give you the power to do it. He helps you to make the change. He helps you in the repenting. Which road are you on? When Christ returns, will he find that you have been transformed by his power? I will overturn it. I will overturn it. He will overturn your life right now. This minute, he can change you and make you a new person. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. So Billy Graham's making some big statements mm, there. Love him. He's saying that we can overcome, that we can have victory, that we can defeat the devil in our lives, and through Jesus we can overcome all these challenges. Now, the problem is, Hunty, I reckon a lot of us don't and haven't experienced that much in our lives. And you look at people like you and me, Andrew, mm -hmm. go to church all their lives, yep. and admittedly you and me wandered at stages, no, didn't we? well... Well, I did. I've stumbled and fallen a lot, but I've tried not to wander. Yeah, I, I went out, 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 far, oh, far yeah. from God and had to get the Lord. Really, at, at the age of 13, I started to wander away wow. from him wow. and didn't come back properly till 26 or 27, well into my time at college. Hmm. Uh, actually, very quickly, my my conversion to Jesus really started when I was about 26 when I was in the United States of America at another college called Pacific Union College. I'd got a scholarship over there, Hunty. Nice. I turned up there, and when I turned up there, it's a pretty ritzy college. I mean, there were kids landing in their own personal oh. aeroplane. You've been there, haven't you? Yeah, but I don't remember seeing a private airstrip. Yeah, yeah there's an airstrip right up behind Pacific Union College. Oh, yeah, Union yeah, yeah, college. that's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Really cool college. Made some of the best friends I'd ever made, but early on it was pretty lonely. And then like, this Aussie boy over there, 25 or 6, I knew no one. And uh, it gave God a chance to reach me. Nice. Um, and my conversion to Jesus still happens, mate. Yeah, After all these too. years. Every day. Yeah, mm. it still happens. Yeah. Um, and I'm interested, you know, I've got a, I'm going to Perth um, at Easter time to do a series of programs over there. And if you're in Perth or West Australia, come along to our big camp over there, the Seventh-day Adventist Church big camp. Oh, I'd love to meet you. Um, if you want to know the address, just uh, send me an email, theaussiepastor at gmail.com or send us a text, 0488-88851. No, but I'll send it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you'll be inundated, mate. <laughs> um, and one of the things I'm talking about is the daily conversion and the importance of the Bible 
in my experience with Jesus and how yep. if I wander out of the Bible, That's which nice. I'm I'm loath to do, you know that, Andrew? Yeah, of course. Especially if I'm on holidays, man, I can get lazy and I wander. You know, this is this scares me a bit. If I'm two, three, four days out of the Bible, I go back to what I was. Wow. Before I met the Lord, I default back. Yep to what I was before I met the Lord pretty quickly and wow. it's scary and it, it brings home to me the importance of the, uh, that for me I have to be in a daily relationship with Jesus It's rooted in Bible study and prayer and so this guy Paul writes this from the heart remember he was brought up a Jew he knows religion he's been in it all his life and he writes this in Romans 7 we looked at it last year Hunty yep. but I need to look at it again today verse 15 yep. through to 24. I want you just to read it straight, and that's people are listening to it. Ask yourself, is this my experience? Sure. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Stop there just for a sec. I mm. said to read right through, but it's interesting mm. there. He says, I'm trying to do good and I don't. Uh-huh. He says, I know what I'm doing is wrong uh-huh. and it's not the law's fault. The law actually shows yep. what I'm doing is wrong. Yep. Actually, that's one of the reasons the Ten Commandments are there, to show us what is right and wrong. Cool. Then he says, it's not me who's doing it wrong. It's an interesting play on words here. He says, what is it? It's the sin that lives in me. Yeah, so we've got this parasite inside mm, of us mm, called sin, mm. which is a part of who, is it, who we are, man. That is a great way to describe and that. And it drives us to wrong behaviour. We've got this parasite inside of us, which drives us called sin, mm-hmm. which drives us to new, to wrong behaviour, and it's a part of who we are. Yep. And you try to do right, and you don't. You do wrong because of this parasite. Okay, go, verse 18. And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want you to remember that nothing lives good lives in me mm. where? In, inside my sinful nature. We're going to come back to that. Mm. Go on. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing the wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So I'm at Avondale College, now Avondale University. I'm sitting in with all the Theo boys. I'm a religion major, a secondary teacher. Mm -hmm. And our professor walks in one day and he opens the Bible to Romans 7. And he says, is this the experience of a person before they meet Jesus or after? About half-half in the class was split. 50% said it was before mm-hmm. and 50% said it was after. Now, we'll be open here. Let's not talk about ourselves too much, Hunter. <laughs> okay. Do you think that's before or after? Let you be open. Look, I see myself in there a lot, but for me, it's got to be before I met Jesus. I reckon I'm with you because of verse 24. Read verse 24 again. Yeah. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? So it's got to be before. Correct. Because after yep. you meet Jesus, are you miserable? No, you're afraid. Yeah. He says, who 
will free me from this life that is dominated by mm. sin and death. So if you're stuck, what are some of the things, Hunter, you can think about, sins that people get stuck in that they can't escape? Even And by the way, we, talk, we talked about alcohol the last couple of weeks and we said, how do you know whether you're addicted or not to alcohol? Well, how do you know, Hunty? If you can stop it for a week or two without any horrible hangover cravings and addictive problems, then you're probably not a full-on addict. But if you can't go a few days out of drink, you are in the hole. I think sin's the same. So what are some of the sins that you can get addicted to and you, you can't overcome? Oh, for me, there's a heap, but let me say my entertainment. I, I love stand-up comedy and some of it's crude, but I listen to it anyway. Um. I think when I think about human beings, sexuality, yep, pornography, yep, adultery, fornication, um, all these sins that can be part of us from when we're very young, get ingrained in us, and you think you've got control of it until you try to get out of it, and when you try to get out of it, you don't get out of it. You're imprisoned as surely as someone is in a dungeon. Um, some of the others. What about? Um, appetite. Oh, there's me. Uh, I'm not trying to identify you. <laughs> I think it's a lot of people. I'll sit here quietly. Well, no, I don't. I personally <laughs> don't think that you are addicted to appetite. Um, simply because I've seen you many times withhold on that. But there are some people who just cannot, and they'll eat anything and everything and as much as, and they're not even not even overweight necessarily. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. I'm talking about addictions to even good things that we can't overcome. Some people are addicted to simple things like shopping, apparently. Apparently, yeah. I just read that the other day. Some people apparently once a month do so much scrolling on their phone, doom scrolling on Facebook or whatever, they, their fingers actually walk from the bottom to the top of Mount Everest. Really? Yeah, that's a, that's a new little tidbit of fact. Well, there's another addiction, isn't it? Your yeah, phone, yeah. your computer. It's called doom scrolling, apparently. Yeah. And there's now doom spending. Have you heard of that one? Yeah. But you can explain it to me again. Yeah, it's um, there's, a, there's a generation of people now in, in this part of Australia we live in who have realised they can't afford a house, not a chance, can't save up a $200,000 deposit anytime soon. So rather than save up for a house, let's go get a Gucci bag. Let's get ourselves a BMW. Let's buy stuff we really can't afford because who cares? It's called doom spending. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Yep. I'm addicted. I can't escape. I'm in a prison. I just can't get out. I mean, it gets into some of the dark areas of life too, like um, drugs, addicted to drugs, just can't give them up. Yep. I've seen people like that. Sleeping pills even. Cannot give the drugs up. You see it when it gets to sexuality, it goes to very dark places where you see men and women now increasingly um, attacking children. These are terrible, dark addictions that get a hold of the human soul and the human nature and take you to places that no human should ever go. But that's the way addiction starts, Hunty. It starts mm. really small, and as we participate in whatever sin is, it grows and grows until it's this powerful beast that needs to be fed, and whatever we do, we can't control the thing. And when you can't control the sin, you're in deep trouble. Mm. Uh, yep. And that's why people get into trouble sexually. It's why they get into trouble financially. It's why they, they get into to, to, to trouble mentally and physically because they lose control of the sin. And try as they might, they cannot get out. And even when they want to do right, they can't. They do wrong. 
And Paul yells out, and he knows this because it's the experience of every single person before they meet Jesus. He cries out, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And this is where it gets interesting because we talk about the answer now. Verse 25. Mm. What does Paul say in verse 25? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So he he ends the chapter by, look, hey, Mm -hmm. but you got to see how he says, thank you, Jesus Christ, for saving me. He says, but look. I want to obey God's law, but I'm sin, a sinner. Does he give the answer there at all? Absolutely. Or what is it? In verse it says, 25. verse 25, thank God, the answer is in Jesus so Christ So what is Lord. the answer? In Jesus. What is the answer? On your knees. Pray. Read the Bible. You think that's the answer? That's a start. I know people who pray and read the Bible and who are addicted to sin and can't get out. Still. Yeah. They've prayed for the Holy Spirit to help them when they're still I stuck. I know people who pray and read the Bible. And ask for the Holy and are, Spirit. And are, are addicted to sin and can't get out. Whoa. Mm. That would be a tough life to walk. Because when I, when I fall, I pray to the Holy Spirit and he brings me back. Yeah, of course. Uh, Romans 7 sets up the problem. And too often when we're reading these scriptures, we stop in Romans 7 and we don't go to Romans 8. Flick over to Romans 8, Hunty. We're, yep. going, to, we're going to continue this yep. in part two today, but we're going to have a break in a minute. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Okay. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. You notice when you're talking about the Holy Spirit a few minutes ago, I never said anything? That was beautiful. I never said anything when you're talking about it because you just hit the nail yeah, on the head. Yeah, that is beautiful. Verse verse 18. Read verse 18 of Romans 7. Oh, man, that's so good. Thank you for that text. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. Okay, so what? nothing good lives in your what? In my sinful nature. In your sinful nature. Mm. Now go to Romans 8, 5. So nothing good lives in my sinful nature. And read Romans 8, verse 5 again. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So when you're stuck like this. That's gold. Yeah, when you're stuck like this, what do you do? You need to go on your knees and ask the Holy Spirit to dig you out of the hole. How do you do that? For me, it's prayer and Bible study. Is it? So if you pray and Bible study, it'll happen. Uh, well, the Holy Spirit so far, when I've got on my knees and repented and said, hey, help me, I'm stuck in a hole, he pulls me out. I've been blessed. So I'm trying to get to the to the you know to the heart of this. Yep. So you think if you pray and you do Bible study, you're going to get out of this? Well, I got to I got to somehow divert my brain from whatever it was doing. I need to stop doing what I was doing, and I use the Holy Spirit to give me the strength to make the changes that that get me out of trouble. I'd argue that you could do Bible study and pray all day and not get out. Well, then you're praying to the ceiling, not to God. You could argue. I'm going to argue. You can, you can pray all day. Yep. And all night. Yep. And you can read your Bible hours a day and still not get out of a yeah, actually, addiction. Actually, I hear you. You're close because you're have, on the. I do have one problem in my life that I've been praying about for many years. And I'm still stuck with it. The answer is in Luke 11. Ooh. 11 to 13. You actually are on the answer. You're skirting around it. Uh-huh. In fact, some would argue that you've already said it. Uh-huh. Because you can pray and you can do Bible study, but it's not 
the Bible study and the prayer that saves you. It's what you pray for that's going to save you from addiction. Can you read Luke 11, 11 to 13? Oh, I just, I'll do it. Thank you. <laughs> you fathers, this is Jesus oh, speaking. Oh, I love this text. Yep. If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So when you pray and you're stuck in a sin, you need to ask for the Holy Spirit. When you ask for the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead comes and he possesses you comes inside of you inside your mind and your heart and mm. he will drag you out of that sin going to talk about that in just a few more minutes hunty mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i'm going to let you introduce this certainly song. um this is another bill and gloria gaither song well it's a song <laughs> we sing in church isn't it, it is. it's not really their song oh well i can see them on the screen so i'm looking at yeah. their choir so i've assumed it's but they do right. sing it beautifully mm. yep and it's entitled and how appropriate for our bible study i have decided So you decide to follow Jesus. Yep. I decide to follow Jesus every day, actually, Andrew. Mm. For me, it's a daily thing. So mm. I get up, make a decision. Yep. I'm lying in bed. Yes, today I choose to follow you, Jesus, and I'll pray mm. that. Same. Yeah. You decide to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. How do you get the Holy Spirit? Pray. Mm. Ask. That's it. I'll read it again. Which of your fathers, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Ever seen a scorpion hunting? I, I have. have. Mm. They're in North Queensland. I remember Rockhampton, first time I ever went to a junior camp, and I was nine years old. 
and up there one of the youth leaders found a scorpion. Yep. Oh, boy, they're nasty things. <laughs> if you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So you've got to ask. How would you ask practically? Show it. Show our listeners practically, Hunty, how you ask. Well, when I, when I pray, I always start with all the things that I'm grateful for. Uh, my wife, my kids. My... But how do you ask? Well, after I've given thanks, I simply say, please, Lord, send me the Holy Spirit to show me and teach me. Beautiful. And, and I do that every day. That's it. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to stand in front of a preacher. He's not going to come along and put his hand on your head and you fall backwards. That stuff, it's not the real thing. Mm. Jesus said, and this is Jesus talking to you, and he's talking to people who are caught in terrible addictions and caught in sins that they can't escape, so much so that, like Paul does in Romans 7, they cry out, Oh, miserable man I am. Who will help me to escape? Mm. Well, Jesus will, but there's only one way to escape, and that's to ask him to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come. That's a guarantee. When the Holy Spirit comes then you start to think not this is not of you. It's just the fact that the Holy Spirit's there in your life and in your heart and your mind. Then you start to think about spiritual things where once before you were thinking about all the temptations and the lusts and the pleasures of the world and that was dominating your thoughts. Now the Holy Spirit's come in. He's chucked those demons out, tossed those demons out of your mind and out of your heart. He lives there. He's starting to clean you up, and he leads you to think of things of God. Does that make sense, Hunty? Absolutely. Not you. You can't do that, Andrew, nor can I. No. You've just got to ask the Holy Spirit. He will come in, and he starts to clean you out, and he's the one who will lead and direct you to think of things of God. But when the Holy Spirit comes to you, Hunty, can you hear him? Well, I do. I, yeah. I hear him clearly because you do. it's been a lifetime for me. Of, now, of if you're listening. hearing... Oh, sorry. I was going to say it's been a lifetime of me ignoring the still small voice and, and paying the price. So, sorry. If you're listening to the Holy Spirit, what's the important thing to do? Uh, follow. follow. Obey. Obey, yeah. yeah. Mm. So when the Holy Spirit says do this or do that, obey, obey, obey. And this is the secret to overcoming any sin, any temptation, any lust, any challenge you have in your life that hundreds and thousands of millions of others have not overcome. That doesn't mean you can't. True. And you ask the Holy Spirit into your heart. You listen to him and do what he says to do. And as you read, I think it's very important to read your Bible, Hunty, with this. Yes. I think if you're going to walk as a Christian, it's important to read, every day it's important to read your Bible and to pray. And when you're praying, ask for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, ask the Lord to help you to recognize his voice. And when you recognize his voice, do what he says. That's where, that's where I fall down, mate. Yeah. The doing. I, I ask. <laughs> the Holy Spirit comes. Mm-hmm. I hear. He tells me. And then I don't. Mm. What a madman I can be sometimes. But I think that's a, a human experience, isn't it? I don't. Yeah. But I've learned to do. And when you do, then you get the victory. Hey, Hunty, when you're coming out of a temptation that's a pretty serious um, yeah. addiction. I've just recently had a victory over a, Good. Over a long temptation. So I'm, I'm riding a bit of a wave, a bit of a high. Yeah, when you come out of that... Um, does the temptation ever come back? Oh, yeah, stronger than ever. Actually, well, funny you say that because <laughs> I reckon it does come back, but it comes back weaker. Well, actually, that's true. Uh, yeah, yes, it's true. 
I get what you say stronger than ever. No, you're just saying, yeah, it does come back. It's come back, back but it, you're right. It's, it is less of a temptation. I am slowly extinguishing it. Because every time you listen to the Holy Spirit and you walk down the road he wants you to do and you don't participate in that temptation, it shrinks it a little bit. Yeah. It'll come back to you, you can be sure. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit again, follow the Holy Spirit, it'll shrink again. Mm. And that's how people who want, you know, there's this old, I, I often say this to Liska, you know that old saying, once a cheater, always a cheater? Yep, I've heard that. Not with the Holy Spirit. True. That all changes. You can, you can. I think once a cheater, always a cheater without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You add the Holy Spirit, you can overcome anything. Yeah. You let the Holy Spirit in. And that's why you see people who are steeped in sin, steeped in the pleasure of sin, um, whatever they're doing, and they get hold of this truth and this power. And once they get hold of it, the Holy Spirit comes into their lives and they get out of it. They're unrecognizable. Their friends don't recognize mm. them. Can't. Is that you? Yep. Really? True. Because the Holy Spirit has got in, and you've got to experience the power of the Holy Spirit yourself. The important thing is, though, when he talks to you, that you obey. And I find he talks to me in two ways, Hunty, in the Bible and with a still small voice. And both are worthy of obedience. Mm. And if you don't obey, what happens? You pay the price. You crash. Mm. Well, I'm going to go to another one. Romans chapter, what are we into, Hunty? Corinthians, actually. First, second or first? Second Corinthians 5. Five, sorry. So yeah, have a little bit. That was of... our, opening, our opening text at the start of the program. Yeah, and this is our opening text. Yeah. And I want you, I'm just going there myself, mate. Second Corinthians 5. I want you just to read the first verse, mate. I've got verse 17 queued up. Yep, verse 17. Okay. Second Corinthians <laughs> chapter 5, verse 17, isn't it? Yeah, I got it. Is that what I said or did I say something No, no, else? that's exactly right. Yeah. I just got confused because you said read the first verse. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, verse 17. Okay. This, is, this is really powerful. Okay, verse 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So you ask the Holy Spirit into your heart. Yep. The difference is, I suppose, for me, when I do that, the Holy Spirit comes inside of me. He's in my heart. He's in my mind. I'm still getting tempted, but when the devil comes and knocks at my door, he doesn't find it empty. The Holy Spirit's already there. Yeah, that's nice. He gets some traction in my mind, but he gets a lot less. And I've found that the temptations and the lusts and the challenges, they're um, manageable if I've got the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Yep. Because he's there. Yep, yep. Sometimes I have to stop, though, and talk to God and say, look, please help me to obey the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, it doesn't come to me. <laughs> all this easy. So when that happens, in verse 17, mm -hmm. you, you become a new person. That's it. Love that. The old life, which is Paul was talking about, yep. one full of failure, yep. is gone, gone and a new life has begun. Yep. But it's important to make clear again, Hunty, it's not just a one-off decision, is it? That's true. In fact, you know what? You just reminded me of something. Yeah. When I was 16, 17, 18, and all my friends were drinking and trying to get me to drink, and telling me how much fun bed spins are and all the rest of the stuff that they reckon was all that great. I don't even know what a bed spin is, but let's not unpack that on radio. I think that's what the Bible says when it talks about like you're sleeping like on a sailor's mast. Anyway, those who've had bed spins know. And back then, the temptation for me to join my mates and drink was really, really high. But you could throw a beer in front of me now and I'd go, yeah, no thanks. Not a huge temptation. And I think that's a lifetime of the Holy Spirit strengthening me against that temptation. Yeah. Yeah, I, do. Mm. I think also when you listen to the Holy Spirit, the temptation recedes until it's nothing, until mm. that weakness becomes a strong. Yeah, well, my alcohol temptation is pretty low now. I think you've, I think it'd be pretty hard to get me to drink now. 
Well, your your weakness has become a strength, and that's why uh-huh. it's not true to say once a cheater, always a cheater. Right. Because once you meet Jesus Christ, all changes. Yep. I mean, this verse here, verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, that's what you do when you give your mm-hmm. life to Christ, the Holy Spirit yep. you belong to, has become, become a, new a new person. person. Yep. That old person, the old cheater, is gone, gone new life and the begun. new life has, has begun. Love it. And that's what, that's what I think we're missing in Christianity a lot of the time. People don't realize this. Mm. You come to church. It's not about coming to church. It's not about coming to church every week. It's not about paying your tithes and your offerings. It's not about this or that. And these are all important, these church things. It's about asking Jesus into your heart. And when he comes into your heart, he recreates you into a new person. Mm. So then what do you do, Hunty? Verse 19. Verse 18. Oh, 19. Yeah. What would you like, 18 or 19? 19, we, 19. Haven't done, we haven't done 18 yet. Oh, okay. Let's do 18. Thank you. Okay. And all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. Actually, we hadn't done verse 18. It's pretty much the, the key verse <laughs> the key of the whole Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Read it again. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling, of reconciling people to him. Okay. So when Jesus puts the Holy Spirit in your heart and you start to listen to him and you start to overcome things you never have before. And the important thing is listen and obey to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, when that happens, okay, Yep. Uh, what is it? Is it you or is it a gift? It's a gift. So I if it's a never, gift, I could stop, never do it. <laughs> stop try, people need to stop trying to be good like Paul was talking and start asking for the Holy Spirit. And saying, Lord, yeah, need the strength. Give me grace and give yep. me mercy to listen to the Holy Spirit and do what He says. Yep, to he do gives me strength when to overcome. He comes. Yep. Yep. And that's the important thing. Is it easy to listen to the Holy Spirit all the time? Nope. No. Not, not for me. It's not. That's no, not. And some of my sins are cherished. That's right. So it's not very easy to listen to the Holy Spirit. But my experience, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will overcome and you will be this new person. Once you become that new person, something happens. Second part of that verse. uh, Verse 19. uh, uh, 18. Oh, verse 18. Yeah, again. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. What's that mean to you? Do you get it or not really? Get out and share the joy that Jesus has done done in my life. Verse 19. Yep. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Love this. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Okay, 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 okay. So that's what that's what we do. That's one of the main things we do yep. once we come to God. We get the Holy Spirit in us. He starts to overcome these sins that we have. Okay, you with me, Andrew? I am. And then you become an ambassador. Yep. You start to share what Jesus is doing in you. Yep. I'm very careful about telling new believers to be quiet. You know how a new believer comes in, they're so excited, they want to tell everybody about Jesus. Have you seen that, auntie? Yes. I've learned not to dampen them in any way. No, I never would. Go for it. Go as hard as you can. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Because you become... Christ's ambassador. You're then speaking on his behalf, calling people to an experience with him and sharing with them the testimony that you have of how Christ called you, forgave you, and and now you're a new person. Yep. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Totally. And then it finishes on, I think, the most powerful Bible text in all the Bible. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin 
so that we could be made right with God through Christ. God's saying, hey, just in case you miss this, yeah, you're not saved by doing the good things that the Holy Spirit's leading you to do. Yeah. Because when the Holy Spirit gets into you and you listen to him, you're going to do some good things, hunty. Yep. Sometimes you'll be very proud of yourself in a humble sort of a way. Yep. Oh, God, <laughs> you helped me. I, yep. I can't believe it. Humble I brag. Out. I got out of that. Wow. Well, glory and honor to you, you know. Yes. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God. What's that mean? So for God made Christ who never sinned, well, that's true. Yep. Christ never sinned, and God sent him to be the offering for our sin. So when Jesus was put to death on the cross, John 19, that kicked off, that yeah. kicked off the salvation package for people who live on this earth. So he made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for sin so that we could be made right with God. Yep. When you give your sins to Jesus, when you listen yep. to the Holy Spirit, he pays for them on the he cross. He takes them. And when God looks at you, you're perfect. God sees you sinless because it's, Jesus has taken your sins and banished them below the bottom of the ocean. It's a good Bible study, isn't it? It is. So if you Love want it. to overcome, get on your knees and pray. What do you pray for, Hundy? The Holy Spirit. Pray for the Holy Spirit yep. that he will come. Yep. Will the Holy Spirit come? Of course. You Every can bet time. on it. You pray and you ask, you will get. If you think that for one minute, Jesus got up and died on the cross for you, and then you're going through a conversion experience and you give your heart to Jesus and you ask for the Holy Spirit. Yep. If you think in a million years that's not going to have, happen, you're living in a fantasy fact, world. I challenge your listeners right now, pray a simple prayer and ask for the Holy Spirit, and I pretty much guarantee yep. you're going to hear something in your life straight away. The key point is when the Holy Spirit comes, will you listen to him? Yes. If you listen to him, you let the Holy Spirit in and you become his and he starts to clean you out. He is then going to use you as an ambassador. And what Correct. story are you going to tell? You're going to tell your story. Tell you how, how joyous it is to be saved. You're going to tell how you got out of your addiction. Correct. How you got out and over your mountains and your challenges. That's it. And people will listen a lot more to you than they will me when you're talking about Jesus of and course. what he can do for you. Fantastic, really, isn't yeah, it, mate? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's how it works. And that's why I think we call Jesus our Redeemer. And yep. that's the next song sung by my favorite college, not University College. Yep. Fountain View over there in uh, Canada. Yep. There's a great song about what Jesus did, and it's all about what we've just been talking about. As I look back on this road I've traveled I see so many times He's carried me through And if there's one thing that I've learned in this life My Redeemer is faithful and true My Redeemer is faithful and true said he will do every morning his mercies are new
everything he has said he will do. Every morning his mercies are new. Beautiful. Aren't those kids amazing? I think they are. Anyway, it's time for my favourite segment. You all should know what that is now. It's Ask the Aussie Pastor. And we have some great questions that hey, have floated in. If um, they want to send questions. Oh, yeah, I'm just getting to that right now. Okay. If you'd like to send any question to Pastor Lloyd, 0488 880 or you can email them to us. And the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. One more time. SMS or text to 0488 880 and email theaussiepastor at gmail.com. Now, I will start the clock for you in a sec, Lloyd, but can we get the first question out first? <laughs> I always uh, panic. Uh, yeah. I always panic when I'm up here yeah, without t- the clock. Thomas almost up. <laughs> um, I try to change to be more like God, and I just cannot. Why? That's coming directly from this Bible study. <laughs> yes, it's only just coming a few minutes ago. You know what? When yeah. you when you're going through that, and I I know what it's like to go through that. You're trying. This is Romans seven, isn't it? I you're bet, trying to I be bet it not. Is. Yep. Uh, again, go through exactly and do it very carefully on what we said. Number one, give your heart to Jesus Christ. Surrender, Jesus. I want to follow you. Number two, invite the Holy Spirit into your life. And when the Holy Spirit comes, and He will come, listen to Him. Listen, listen, listen. And when you're listening to the Holy Spirit, he will talk to you. And when you're listening to him, obey. So listen and obey. Yep. So you've asked, you've made a decision to follow Jesus. You've asked for the Holy Spirit. He's come. You're listening to him. And now you're obeying. You're with me, Hunty? I am. The third thing, and a lot of people miss this, and we never talked about this, and Hunty kept skirting around it to his uh, strength. Um, spend time in Bible study and prayer with Jesus every day. Every day. Every single day. I shared earlier on this program. If I don't do that, I wander real fast back to my default position, which is pretty ugly. Because when I'm with when I'm with Jesus in my Bible study and prayer, He talks to me. I sense His presence. I know He's real. I know He's alive. When I wander away from my Bible study, I can have been with the Lord like I have for thirty-four years. I wander away from my Bible study and prayer. Very shortly, I can start to even question the existence of God, Hunty. We wow. have disbelieving minds and hearts and we need to be in the presence of Jesus so we can keep believing or else we will wander and you get into the presence of Jesus through Bible study and prayer alone they're the things that bring you strongly into the to the presence of Jesus and you're asking for the Holy Spirit so the third person of the Godhead and he's the third person God himself comes to you so you've got your Bible study your prayer you've got the Holy Spirit there coming to you man you will be hearing him I can guarantee it's a cast iron guarantee. Nice. Yeah. Alrighty. This next question. Ooh. This is one you should be pretty much ready for. Should Christians aim for perfection? Yes. Most definitely. Because perfection is who? Um, who, is, who is perfection? Jesus. That's it. Yeah. So if you want to re 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 
ask that question, should Christians aim for Jesus, what would you say, Hunter? Well, that's an easy yes. Of course. The reason I hesitated yeah. is because you and I know some people who are trying to do good deeds and work their way to heaven. Well, what you shouldn't do is say, is aim for perfection and say, by reaching perfection, I'm going to be ready for Oh, I qualify. Yeah. Yeah, right. So you're not going to be ready for heaven. I like that. If you're aiming for perfection and you think you've reached it, because you don't get to heaven by being perfect. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. Can I get that quick enough on my... I bet you can. While you do that, I'm going to give the shout-out to the number again. 0488 And the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Send us your questions. If you don't get them in today or tomorrow, any time, because we will... We will definitely use your questions no matter when you send them to us. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Yes. So how are you saved? By you being just believe. Per- do you, are you saved by being perfect, by being like, no, be, by being like Jesus? No, you're no. not. Should you aim for perfection? Yes. yes. Should you aim to be like Jesus? Yes. yes. Will you ever be completely like Jesus? Well, not probably not this side of heaven. Not me. But you should still aim for it. Yes. But don't think that that aiming and that, that, that the changes that the Holy Spirit makes in your life and the overcoming and the more like Jesus you're becoming, don't think that's going to get you to heaven because it will not. Yeah. God saved you, if Bible's clear, by grace, by grace, by grace. That's it. When you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Yeah. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so no one can boast about it. Love it. It's grace. And what is grace? Yes. That's when Jesus, I give him, I come to him. I decide to follow him. I ask for the Holy Spirit. I give him my sins. He takes them to the cross. He pays the price for them. And that price he then gifts back to me. He says, I've paid for your sins. Man, just accept me as your saviour because I paid for them. I'm your saviour. Accept me as your saviour. Welcome to heaven. That's grace. That's how you're saved. By Jesus, by Jesus, by Jesus, and Jesus alone. Very good. All right. We've got time for one more. Yeah. Um, I think I I know who sent this question. Okay. Um, If my wife is mentally abusing me, should (laughs) I stay in the marriage? Well, it wasn't you who sent that because no, you've got a good I've got wife. A beautiful wife. Yeah, yeah. got a pretty. I know that wouldn't be Liska, so. <laughs> no, I've got a pretty patient wife, actually. You've got a very lovely wife. Ah, uh, if she's abusing you, um, I've got thoughts on this. I'll listen to you first while could, I think. Could that be part of abandonment? Because the Bible says if you are abandoned by your spouse, careful. Careful, I know. I don't think the Bible says that at all. Well, it talks about abuse, and one of the abuses... The only thing Jesus says... Adultery? No. Marital unfaithfulness are the exact words. But I think that's I think that's something you can dig up abuse and abandonment too. No. I tell, I'll dig it up for next week and I'll read you the I'll text. I'll guarantee you can't. No, then I won't. I'll make a bet. Then I won't. I'll make a bet. On, <laughs> no. Jesus says, don't divorce. Jesus, God says, I hate divorce. But he does talk about... Um, marital unfaithfulness, and you could argue, like you just said, Hunty, that abuse, whether it's physical, sexual, or mental abuse, yes. is marital unfaithfulness. unfaithfulness you know yeah. what? Here's my answer to this with 18 seconds left in the show, That's Hunty. it, yep. If you decide to follow Jesus and you ask the Holy Spirit into your heart, into your life, and you take that matter to God, because every single marriage is different, yep. and you take that matter to God in prayer, 
The Holy Spirit will talk to you through the Bible. He'll talk to you in his small, small voice, still, still small voice, and he will give you the answer. There is no stock answer to that because every situation is different. Go to God, surrender to him, ask the Holy Spirit into your life, and then ask God and he will tell you. Yep. All right, let's go sting nut. Let's go straight to the last sting, song. Sting, sting. Oh, okay. You sting. got a sting. All right, here it is. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. I was trying to save 11 you, seconds. You can't. Change, I was trying to save 11 you seconds. You can't change the calendar. <laughs> Love it. 10,000 Reasons. That's Matt my, one of my favourite songs, too. Yep. Let's take it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, and worship His holy name. Beautiful. And sing like never before, oh my soul. I worship Your Forever more. 
Come to Jesus and be free. Give your heart to him. Decide to follow him. Ask for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey the Holy Spirit. Spend time every day in the Bible and in prayer. If you don't know where to go in the Bible, start in Mark chapter 1. Spend time in the Bible every day. Go to the Lord in prayer. And you'll bless the Lord, O your soul, too. Because you will have victory where you never had victory. You'll overcome challenges and you'll climb mountains you've never climbed. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are good. You bless us and you give us an escape. I pray our listeners will have seen just a little glimpse of that escape today and may dare to take the challenge and come to you and see victory that's only available there. It's my prayer in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty, and I'm the tech. And you know what? We love you. So? But Jesus loves you so much more. Bye-bye. See ya. See you next time. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 